Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. We were sent. Heaven called us. So we came to you and found you afraid. Lonely. In a world trembling with fear and heartache. Don't be troubled. Your cries have been heard. From the deepest parts of heaven, He has called you by name. You are loved by the Most High, created in His image, overshadowed by His presence. You've been chosen, blessed. Your life has a purpose, a holy purpose. I've been sent to guide you, to deliver a message. Welcome, everybody, to our new series, Fear Not. I'm Pastor Tim. Glad you are here to celebrate Christmas with us at Liquid. Quick show of hands, all our campuses. How many of you have your Christmas tree already up? How many of you tree up? How many of you cut it down live? Raise your hand if you got a saw, you went the full way. How many of you went to Home Depot? All right. I'm cheap, too. I'm cheap, too. It's all right, man. It's okay. No judgment there. I'm glad. That's, it. That's exciting. Uh, you know it's Christmas in New Jersey in particular when you start seeing those giant inflatable snowmen and reindeer on people's front lawns. Um, personally, I feel like the inflatables have just gotten like way out of control. We have this one guy in our neighborhood who just goes a bit overboard when it comes to decorations, you know? <laughs> It's just a bit much, you know? I try to tell Pastor Tom, I feel like it's too much, you know? <laughs> Hashtag have yourself a tacky little Christmas there. But Christmas in New Jersey it is. I'm glad you're here. Let me tell you where our theme Fear Not comes from. Um, as we're going to see today, three different times in the Christmas story, God sends angels, his messengers, to deliver a message to three groups of people. And whenever the angels appear, the first thing they say is, help me out, fear not. Don't be afraid. They speak those words once to Mary. They say, don't be afraid. Fear not. You're going to have a baby who's conceived by the Holy Spirit. You're going to give birth to God's 
son. They say, fear not to Joseph. They tell him, don't be afraid to take Mary to be your wife. And then they appear, angels appear to shepherds and say, fear not. The arrival of Jesus is not God's judgment. This is cause for joy, not dread. He's come to save the world. So the arrival of Jesus begins with the words, fear not. And that's significant because I think our world at this moment is this kind of gripped by fear. I mean, if you think of all we've been through over the last few months, if you turn on the nightly news, we've been focused on the Ebola epidemic ravaging uh, West Africa, ISIS beheading, you know, innocent people in the Middle East, racial riots, you know, in Ferguson, right now in New York City, all over America. The airwaves are filled with fear this Christmas, and it's a scary world. And yet at Christmas, God sends the message through his angels, fear not. And that's a message we all need to hear, I think. So today, we're going to look at the first appearance of this message, fear not, in the gospel of Luke, as God speaks these words to a frightened teenage girl. And I'm going to talk about the fear of what God has planned for your life. Because Mary's pregnancy was unplanned, and when God asks you to make a radical adjustment in your life to something that you didn't expect, that often causes a bit of fear. So let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 26 through 38 together, and we're going to ask this question, hey, why am I sometimes afraid of what God's asking me to do? All our campuses, let's read this together. This is how Mary's story begins. The word says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, and we'll just kind of pause there because you may be like, who is Elizabeth and why is she pregnant? Okay, Elizabeth is Mary's relative who is too old to conceive a child, but an angel appears to her and he says, you are going to be miraculously pregnant with the man who will be known as John, John the Baptist, all right? In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. You know this part. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly what? Highly favored. The Lord is with you. And you may think, well, wouldn't that be an amazing greeting, right? I mean, wouldn't that be cool to be woken up, you know, in your bedroom by an angel? He says, I have a message for you. You are highly favored. The Lord is with you. But Mary was not flattered. <laughs> she was frightened. In fact, according to the next verse, she was freaking out. Look at verse 29. Mary was, what are the words? Say them together, church. Greatly troubled at the angel's words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now, why would Mary be freaking out here? A little bit of context. First off, we have to ask the question, you know, what is an angel? We've got our big angel wings here on stage. They're amazing. You should try them out after the service, man. They're incredible. But I think when people hear that word angel in popular culture, they typically picture something like this, you know, a fat, bald, little naked baby angel, you know, playing a harp on a cloud or skipping along with kittens, you know, wearing a little halo. This kind of crap is all over Facebook, all right? You just, you understand? But that's not how an angel is depicted in scripture. According to the Bible, angels look more like this because they're used as God, by God as warriors, 
as messengers, as servants. They are fearsome creatures. They are capable of destroying an entire city and yet tender and sensitive enough to protect a newborn child. So let's first set the record straight. Angels are not human beings who died and sprouted wings. They are not babies. That's a myth. Rather, an angel, they are spiritual beings created by Jesus Christ who live in God's presence and do his will. They protect the helpless. They watch over believers and they deliver God's messages. That word angel comes from the Greek word angelos. It means a messenger, somebody who comes with a a special word, a herald. That's why you say, hark the herald angels sing. They deliver a message. And scripture only names two angels by name. Did you know that? Michael and Gabriel. And here in Luke, Gabriel delivers this message to Mary. So you understand why she's freaking out. If you woke up tonight and an angel suddenly appeared in your bedroom, you might have the same reaction. Mary was greatly troubled. She wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But Gabriel puts her at ease. I like the King James Version of verse 30. Look what it says. And the angel said unto her, help me out, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. I love that. I love sometimes going old school with the King James. It's like so Shakespeare. Fear not, thou hast found favor with God, you know? That's the first time fear not appears in the Christmas story. Now, here's a question. Beyond the imposing angelic appearance, what would Mary make Mary so afraid? Well, first off, I want you to remember Mary is engaged to be married. And anybody about to be married should be afraid, okay? You should, <laughs> not really. But you, you see this, she's pledged, she's engaged to this guy named Joseph. And in that culture, uh, marriage and engagement was a little bit different than ours, okay? Right now, how old do you think Mary is at this moment? What do you think? 27, you know, 28, 30? Try half that. Most likely, Mary was a girl of 13 or 14 years old, maybe 16 on the high end. And we know that because in her culture, once a young girl hit puberty, shortly thereafter, she was betrothed. She was engaged or promised to be married to a man. So I want you to try to imagine getting inside this young girl's head because, you know, like any young bride-to-be, she's probably amped up about what's to come, you know? I mean, if this were modern day, what is a young, you know, bride-to-be probably doing, you know? Well, for starters, she probably, you know, binge watching, you know, say yes to the dress on cable, you know? She's scrolling through Pinterest and looking at all the things she can do to make her wedding the best wedding ever, you know? She's practicing signing her new name, Mrs. Mary Joseph. This is how it's going to look on the check, you know, all of that, right? Or she's naming her future children. Well, I like Chloe. I like Madison. That's what brides do. They envision their next chapter, their future family, a new life. And all of a sudden, this angel interrupts her plans. And it's incredibly inconvenient to the way that Mary was envisioning her future. What do we learn from this? Why do we sometimes fear God's plans for our life. The first thing, if you're taking notes, is this, because God's interruptions are often inconvenient. Can we say that? God's interruptions are often inconvenient, aren't they? I mean, God's interruptions often come at a moment when we least expect it and quite honestly don't welcome it, and it's inconvenient. I remember last year on uh, Christmas Eve day, we were hosting our families 
at the Lucas home. All the families were coming in, and we were getting ready on Christmas Eve afternoon. Colleen was in the kitchen. My wife was like, you know, whipping up the meal, getting it all ready, and she was pitting an avocado. She was like making guacamole. You know how it had that pit in it, and she had like a paring knife. She's trying to get this thing out, and it can't get it out, and all of a sudden, the knife goes through the avocado, boom, right into her hand, right? The, the flesh, boom, I mean, big puncture, pierce, almost nicked a nerve and everything. And I'm in the other room, and I hear this huge commotion coming from the kitchen. I run in, my wife's bleeding, what happened, you know? And mommy, how, did you stab mommy? No, it wasn't all, the, all that whole, you know? Get her, pile her right in the car. We drive to the emergency room. We run in. They're like, the surgeon's not here yet. We got to bandage you up. Just sit there and wait. And we're just kind of, she's sitting there holding her hand, kind of whimpering and everything. And I remember it was one o'clock in the afternoon on Christmas Eve. I remember that because I looked at my watch and realized in one hour, I'm going to preach the first of 10 Christmas Eve services. <laughs> God's interruptions are often inconvenient. <laughs> And I looked at her, and she was like, you know, it's okay, it's okay, you just go, you just go. I was like, really? She goes, yeah, I'll be fine, you just go. And I'm like, is this a trick? You know, yeah, I've been, I've been married enough, I, I know long enough. And she goes, no, you go, fine, you know. And so I prayed for her, you know, and kissed her on the head, and then I sped straight to church to preach, you know, like, hashtag Christmas Eve husband fail, the whole thing, you know. Of all days for something like this to happen, right before the big meal, Right before all the relatives come over, right before 10 Christmas Eve services, God's interruptions are often inconvenient. And they can happen when we least expect it or wish the timing was better. Because we typically have a different plan and schedule for how things are supposed to unfold in our life. See, every Christian wants the favor of God. We like that idea of the blessings, right? But many believers don't like the idea that God may allow something to happen to you that you weren't expecting or ask you to do something that might wreck your picture of the, the perfect family or the perfect marriage or the perfect life or whatever it is. In other words, I want to be close enough to God to get all the good stuff, right? I want the, the blessing of heaven. I want the promise of you know, eternal life. But I don't want to be so surrendered to God that he has access to every area. Why? Because honestly, I'm afraid if I completely surrender everything to him, he might make me go to Africa, you know? He might make me, you know, call me to China to teach English as a second language. He, if I really surrendered all everything to God, he might make me change my lifestyle or give up something I enjoy, you know? Like food or, 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 lug, or shopping, you know, or, or alcohol, whatever it is. Or if I really submit to God's sovereign will and not my will, he may, he may make me marry, you know, somebody ugly. You know, I, I don't know. Did that, did that cross the line? I don't know. I don't know if you've ever thought that. I'm talking to real people today, okay? The rest of you holier than thou, as you polish your halo while I just go on here. But we're going to deal with real life, all right? Because sometimes there's this, this, this fear that says, what if I give it all to him and it doesn't go the way I want? And fear can overwhelm our thoughts. For example, a lot of people would say, well, I know what fear is. Fear, you've probably heard this, fear is the absence of faith. I would argue that's the opposite. Fear actually is faith, but it's faith in the wrong things. You could say that fear is actually placing your faith in the what ifs. You know, what if, what if the economy, uh, you know, goes down and what if I lose my job? What if someone I love gets cancer? What, what if I never get married? What if I marry a jerk, right? 
And what if I marry a jerk and they have kids that look like the jerk and they're a constant reminder, I married a jerk, you know? And the fears go on. What if, what if, what if, what if, what if, all of that kind of stuff. Listen, listen, fear is placing your faith in the worst case scenario. And it can drive you to a point of irrational panic. In fact, the best working definition of fear I've come across is this. It's false evidence appearing real. It's placing our faith in false evidence. Believing, believing the what-ifs will come true. That's what fear is. And the good news is, according to 2 Timothy, is if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of what? Say it together, church. Power, love, and a sound mind. Why are we afraid of God's plans for our life? Of what he may ask us to do or allow to happen? Number one, God's interruptions are often inconvenient. Number two, what we call interruptions, God calls invitations, if you're taking notes. God interrupts Mary's wedding plans and says, I'm inviting you, my daughter, into the larger story that I'm going to write with your life. I'm inviting you into my global story of salvation. And you know what? You see that pattern of divine interruptions followed by an invitation all throughout the Bible. What did God do with Moses? He interrupts a regular day on the farm with this burning bush, and he invites Moses to become the deliverer of God's people. What happens with Jonah? Jonah's out swimming in the ocean. He's doing a beach workout, and God interrupts his workout, and, and, he, and this fish swallows him, and, and he, he invites Jonah to go back and fulfill the purpose, preaching repentance to the people of Nineveh. In the New Testament, Saul is out kind of, you know, he's doing his thing. He thinks he's serving God. He's out killing Christians, and God interrupts his flow with a light from heaven and invites Saul to become the greatest apostle to the non-Jewish world and the author of much of the New Testament you're holding in your hands. For thousands and thousands of years, God has been interrupting the well-laid plans of ordinary men and women with an invitation to something bigger and something better. And I believe there are many of us who often shake off God's invitations because we call them interruptions when God really wants to do something new and different in your life. And I don't know how this will play out for you, but if you're sensitive enough to see what we call human interruptions as a possible divine invitation, God may actually take you somewhere new, call you to something different, or do something special in your life that you never could have imagined or arranged on your own. This could play out in any number of ways. Some of you, you, you know, I, I see you, you're vibing with me, you're like, I have my own interruption invitation story. Some of you weren't church people at this time last year. You weren't religious at all, right? But someone interrupted your plans Maybe it was at work, and they invited you to church, and they kept bugging you to come, and you're like, no, no thanks, not interested. I don't really have time for a cult, no thanks. But finally, right, you're like, I'll come, because that's just the way liquid people are, right? They don't take no for an answer. They just invite and invite and invite, and, you don't go, and they didn't go away. And so you came, and you thought, okay, I'm going to endure this. I'm going to be polite. I'm going to smile. I'm going to nod, but then I'm going to get in. I'm going to get out, okay? But something happened. A, a, a song touched you. You heard something in a message that you're like, that, how does he know that? That's not me. It's like God was speaking directly to you and your heart started to soften. And suddenly you found yourself being powerfully drawn to God. 
And one day you cried out. You asked Christ for forgiveness. You said, I want the Holy Spirit in my life. And you sensed this supernatural presence. And something changed. Something shifted inside. And now you're different. What you thought was an interruption was actually an invitation to something way bigger in God's story. And now it just continues to happen. It's getting more frequent. You're getting used to it. Your friend goes in the hospital and you're like, I feel like I should go see them, but I don't really have time. I don't have time, but maybe God wants, all right, I'll just go, I'll just go. And you go and you, you know, pray with them and you start speaking with them. And, and suddenly you're telling them things and you're like, how did I know that? And you're ministering to them while they're there. And I'm like, they're, they're like God sent you. You're like an angel from God to me. And you're like, I can't believe that's crazy. God used me, little old me that way. And then there's a spiritual high that God's beginning to use you for his eternal purposes. And, 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 and then the next week, you know, you come to church and you, you hear someone say, hey, we need help, you know, with, the, with volunteers with the kids. And you think, well, that's definitely not me because I don't have time for that and I don't like kids, you know. And, um, before, but all right, all right, I'll just, you know, do it once or twice. And you sign up for it and next thing you know, you're serving in the four-year-old room. And I'm like, this is, I do not like four-year-olds. But now, watch, look, all of a sudden, a year later, and I've had some of you say this to me, the greatest hour of my week, Pastor Tim, is when I impart spiritual life to four-year-olds. It is one of the reasons I am on this earth. God gifted me. I look forward to it. What happened? God interrupted you and somewhere along the way invited you to something bigger. And God is giving us those divine invitations all the time if you won't simply blow them off as human interruptions. An angel appears to Mary, who has the next 10 years of her life planned out, and says, God has something different for you. And what does the angel say in verse 30? The King James Version says, fear not. The NIV says, but the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found, what is this word? Say it together. Favor with God. Favor is the extravagant blessing. It's when God just lavishes stuff you don't deserve, like he's just showing off. Now, I don't know about you, but if God's got some favor to dish out, I want some of that action, okay? I want favor. I want God's lavish blessing. But what we're going to find is that God's favor isn't exactly what Mary thought it was going to be. Because if I'm Mary and I'm like, the favor of God, he's giving me favor, that means Joseph and I, you know, landed a spot on a reality wedding show, you know? And they're going to all expense paid, you know, honeymoon to Hawaii. We got favor, you know? But what she doesn't realize is that God has a larger story. And he says, no, no, it's not just favor for you. I'm going to invite you into this story. And it's going to be favor and blessings for the whole world, for all people. Why are we afraid of what God asks us to do? Number one, God's invitations are often inconvenient. Number two, what we call interruptions, God calls invitations. And number three, if you're taking notes, God's purpose is often different than your plans. His purpose for your life is so different than what we sometimes have planned for ourselves. You see this in verses 31 through 33. The angel reveals God's purpose for Mary's life and says this, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus. I know you like Chloe, but we're going to go with Jesus. <laughs> he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. In other words, Mary, I have handpicked you 
to be the birth mother for the Son of God. His name will be Jesus. It, it means God saves. And he will be a savior to the entire world. And you can only imagine at this moment that this teenage girl, again, get inside her head. Her emotions just swinging back and forth like a pendulum as God interrupts with this invitation that reveals, uh, disturbs her plan, but says, you know what, this is part of my purpose. I want you to think about this. Think about this. I mean, there must have been a moment where Mary was blown away. And it was just like, I was handpicked by God to give birth to his son. And then, boom, her emotions swing. Oh, my gosh, what are people going to say about me? What are they going to do? How are they going to? Because let me tell you something. To be pregnant out of wedlock in her culture was punishable by death by stoning. So on the one hand, I'm sure she welled up with faith. Oh my gosh, I've been chosen. I'm favored by God. On the other hand, fear. Oh my gosh, what might happen to me? What's Joseph going to say? Fear, false evidence appearing real. Putting your faith in the what ifs. I'm sure Mary was afraid to tell Joseph. I mean, can you imagine how that conversation goes, right? Joey, are you sitting down? You know, Here's the stick, you know. <laughs> I'm pregnant. By who? You know, his name's Joey, all right? By who, right? right? The Holy Spirit. <laughs> Girl, you cray-cray. That is, that's not a reality show. That's Jerry Springer. You remember Jerry Springer? Remember that show? God's divine purpose was worlds away from Mary's plans. Just as the Bible says the heavens are higher than the earth, so are God's purposes higher than your purposes. So are his plans higher than your plans. So are God's thoughts higher than our puny thoughts. And I don't know how this will play out in your life. But when God interrupts your plans with a divine invitation, you're going to discover his purposes are way different than your plans. It may be very personal. It may be that you have dreamed for years of the perfect, healthy family. And then you go to the doctor and, and discover you're pregnant and you're going to give birth. And then you find out that you're going to give birth to a child who is going to have special needs. And at first, it rocks your world. All you ask is why. Why? What, God? Why? Why us? How, how come not them? What, what, did, what did we do? And you have no idea of the blessing that this child is going to be and how it's going to bring you closer to God and bring glory to Christ Jesus and that God is going to well up this love in your heart more than you ever dreamed you could ever have because God's purposes for your family may be different than your plans. You may, you may lose your job and be like, God, why would you let that happen? I faithfully serve you. How am I going to pay the bills? What if I go bankrupt? And then suddenly you have no other options. And so you said, what the heck? And you, and you decide to start you know, the business that you've always been dreaming about in the back of your head. And you're going to look back later, not now, but you're going to look back years from now and say, what I thought was a curse at the time is actually a blessing because God's purposes are so much better than my puny plans. I don't know how many people I have talked to have said a version of, you know, Pastor Tim, I thought I was going to marry so-and-so and they were perfect. They were perfect. But then this happened, the relationship, you know, went south, and then we ended up breaking up, and I was just like beside myself. I was like, there goes my future. I will never, ever, ever find another, you know, man or woman or whatever. Who could possibly be like this person? And then that person tells me I had no idea at that moment that at that same time on a parallel track, 
God was preparing somebody else who was indescribably better suited to serve God together. And I just couldn't see it at the time. God's purposes are so much greater than our human plans. The Bible says that God has plans to bless you, to prosper you, to give you hope, to give you a future, to give you a purpose. And every now and then, he will allow what we might call an interruption, but from his perspective, it's this invitation to something that's higher, something that's better, because his purposes are always greater than your plans. Amen? The angel appears to Mary and proclaims God's purpose for her life. And I love how she responds in verse 34. She says, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? In other words, for Mary, she's like, this seems impossible. I mean, physically impossible, right? Virgins don't give birth to babies. How will this be? That's what we ask when God tells us something crazy, we think, from human terms in our life. For me, it would be, you know, if one of you stood up right now and said, Tim, I have a word from God for you. Uh, I have this vision. You are going to win the New York City Marathon next year at this time, you know? You, you, well, I am not exactly built for speed, okay? You know, right? I run, I run on Duncan, all right? Let's put it that way. But I'm not running a marathon. I'd be like, how will this be? I don't think this is going to be happening. That's what Mary is saying. Virgins don't give birth to angels. It's impossible. It's absurd. If you're a Jets fan, it's like saying, my team's going to win the Super Bowl next year, right? How will this be, right? Don't laugh, giant fans. You are not far behind, all right? We're all sucking it this season, all right? Let me get back. Real life, real life. If, if, you're, if you're looking at your life and you're like, I thought I'd be married at this point, and you're, and you're single, it may seem relationally impossible. You're like, I'm getting older. You know, I want to start a family, but now I'm in my 40s or my, or my 50s, and, and you know, time's ticking. How will this be? But there will come this time, I believe, for some of you, when God asks you to have faith and take him at his word, and you may say, I don't see how it's possible. I don't see, God, how I could possibly forgive somebody after what they did to me. It's impossible. How will this be? I can never forgive them. God, I don't know how you're asking me to, to be generous right here at the end of the year. Give to the Christmas offering. I'm living paycheck to paycheck. How will this be? Or God, my marriage, you know it's happening. I believe you could save it or heal it or whatever. But after all that we've been through, how will this be? We've done counseling. It doesn't work. Or God, I believe you could heal this person that I love. But the doctors told us you need to prepare for the end. It's medically impossible. How will this be? That's what Mary is saying when she asks, how will this be? She's saying, humanly speaking, God this is impossible. And you know what? She's right. Humanly speaking, it is impossible. But this is where faith in God trumps the fear of man every time. Verse 35, the angel answered. Let's read this together. Powerful words here, church. Ready? The Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of of God. In other words, this isn't a job for any man or woman. This is a God-sized job, and it will require the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit, what we call firepower. Can you say firepower? Firepower. We spent 40 days as a church studying the Holy Spirit as the lead-up 
to Christmas. And at Christmas, the angel says, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you as if with, with, with wings. And the Gabriel says these words. This is incredible. I want to read these words together from the King James. Verse 37, he says this to Mary. For with God, put them up on the screen. For with God, nothing shall be what? Impossible. Did you hear that? Let's say it one more time. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. That's for you. That's for somebody. Somebody came to church today. You may be at another campus, but there's someone here, and this is God's direct personal word to you. You are facing an impossibility in your life, and you need to know that what is impossible with man is absolutely, positively, completely possible with God. That we serve a God who is all-knowing, ever-present, and all-powerful. And with one spoken word, God can step into your life and intervene and change your situation. Our God is that good, and through Jesus Christ, all things are possible. Amen? I don't know how it's going to happen. But I believe for all of you who are followers of Jesus, there comes a time when God interrupts you and you think, ah, I don't like this. I don't like what's happening right now. But then you stick up your divine antenna and you ask this question, wait a minute, is this interruption in my life actually an invitation from God whose purposes are higher than my plans? And God may ask you to believe something that seems unbelievable or to attempt something that seems beyond your ability. And the truth is, on your own, you couldn't do it because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so I want to ask you today a very simple question at the start of the Christmas season. What is God asking you to do or believe this Christmas? If you're a follower of Jesus, you have the same Holy Spirit inside of you. And the Holy Spirit speaks to us. The Holy Spirit convicts us. The Holy Spirit guides us and leads us. And at Christmas, we learn the Holy Spirit loves to give birth to new things that bring glory to Jesus Christ. And so I believe with all of my heart that our God is a speaking God, <laughs> that he still speaks, that he is still involved in your life and wants to direct you and shape you and lead you and guide you. And so my question is, what is he asking you to do or believe this December? Some of you, the answer is immediate. You already know it. The light bulb went on. You're like, oh, no, 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 right? You already know it because you've spent the past year resisting it, Okay. Others of you, it may take, you know, a few moments. You've got to reflect on this a little bit. Maybe you have to pray for a few days and ask, God, what are you calling me to next? What, what are you directing me to do in this next season of my life in 2015? For some of you, it's going to come to you. You're going to be like, I knew it. This is it, confirmation. I'm supposed to, to start this ministry. I'm supposed to join a ministry that God's put on my heart. That is what I need to do. This is confirmation. Others of you, maybe he's going to ask you to go back to college or to change majors in the middle of your studies, and that's scary because you invest a lot of time, or go back to school for new training. For some of you, God spoke to you back in the firepower series and told you to do something. And maybe it is reaching out to forgive somebody who's deeply hurt you, or restore a relationship that God's bad. He's directed you that way. That happened to a woman here in our church. She emailed me uh, last week. Crazy set of circumstances, but her husband works at this large corporation, and the new guy... He, who just came from the West Coast to work with is her boyfriend from over 15 years ago who used to verbally and physically abuse her. And she said, Tim, my heart sunk because all the pain and the fear came flooding back. I was like, God, why would you do this? Why would you allow this? 
I can't think of it. And this is a cruel joke. And then I heard about the dove and realized I had bitterness in my heart, that I was still in a prison and that I needed to forgive him. And so I prayed about it, and then I felt like the Holy Spirit was asking me to actually reach out to him, and that was very scary. And I didn't do it right away, but said, I just wanted you to know that what happened is in the past, and I'm glad you're working with my husband. I don't feel that, but I'm willing that. <laughs> right? Sometimes you've got to pray that prayer in faith. I've got to say it before I feel it. And she said, the most incredible thing happened. He wrote me back this email. I have, she's like a different person. He's like, I, can't, you, I cannot accept your apology. I need you to forgive me for all of the pain that I've caused you. I've been haunted my whole life. And you reached out to me to ask forgiveness. Please forgive me. I'm a different person. Would you forgive me from the heart? She said, Tim, it was like the prison doors broke open. She goes, I literally fell on my living room floor crying because the Holy Spirit had released me and given me forgiveness and restored a relationship. She can't believe it. Why? Because with God, nothing shall be impossible. For some of you, God may be asking you to reach out to someone this Christmas who's far from God and invite them to Christmas Eve. And you'd be like, I've already done it. <laughs> there is no way, okay, they're going to resist. I don't know what it is. My question is, what is God asking you to do or believe this Christmas? And when you know that and you get ready to respond I want to share with you now the most important part. This is the final thing. This is the most important lesson of the day. Write this down. Last fill in today's notes. Obedience is your responsibility. The outcome is God's. Obedience is your part of the equation. The outcome is God's alone. Outcome is always and only the responsibility of your Father in heaven, but obedience is the child's responsibility. Well, what's going to happen? How are we going to, well, what if this happens? What if, what if, what if? You are called to obey, but the outcome is in God's hands. And so you have to, when you know, you have to tell yourself again and again, obedience is my responsibility. The outcome is God's. Can we make it personal with my and say it together? Obedience is my responsibility. The outcome is God's. Whatever impossibility you're facing, whatever challenge you're called to confront, obedience is your responsibility. But the outcome, whoo, that's God's. You don't touch that. You don't base it on whether you think it'll work or not. You just say, God, that is an act of faith. I trust you. Let me tell you how this looks in my own life. Just real, real honest, <laughs> raw for you. Uh, last week I told you, right, you know about our year-end Christmas offering. We put that pamphlet in your program today. If you were here last week, you know I said, take this home, stick it to the refrigerator, put it on your kitchen table. Every year in December, we give away 10% of our annual budget. We just take it. It goes right out the door to feed the hungry, to care for the poor, children with special needs, hygiene kits in Africa, feeding the homeless, all sorts of things. And here's why we do that. Because at Christmas, we're realizing the whole point of the gospel is that God so loved the world that he what? Gave. So as followers of Christ, we give lavishly at Christmas. But I told you about the step of faith that I felt like God's calling us to as a church. Last year, our Christmas offering funded 10,000 meals for homeless men and women in Newark. But in 2015, we're expanding that to 200,000 meals across New Jersey and New York at every location the relief bus has. Yeah, you can clap for that. It's exciting, but it's scary to me. It's a little scary. I'm trying to be honest because we're adding a zero, right? We're doubling our impact. But I'll be honest. When I first saw that, I didn't go like, woo! I was like, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> you know why? 
Because $600,000 is a huge number. That's $100,000 more than last December. And maybe God's blessed you with wealth. You have his great favor. That's awesome. That's a curve jump in my mind, okay? And I'm not proud of this. But honestly, when I heard this, I was just like, God, how will this be? How will we reach this goal? I mean, liquid folks are generous, but that's a ton of money. This will require a deep sacrifice, and budgets are tight for many of our families. A lot of us live paycheck to paycheck. But I felt God calling us to these missions, and as I'm praying, all of a sudden, I look at the angel's wings and realize the name of our series is Fear Not. <laughs> and I look at God. I hate when God preaches to me first. I look, at, I look at his words to Mary. With God, nothing shall be impossible. And I felt God asking me a question, saying, Tim, have I provided in the past for this church? And I was like, yes. Do you believe my heart is behind the poor? Yes. The single mom at Christmas? Yes. The pregnant team? Yes. Do you believe I'm calling you to do this? Yes. Then why are you afraid? And I was like, well, what if we don't reach our goal? What if the gifts don't come in by December 31st? What if, what if, what if, what if? if? False evidence appearing real. And I just stopped in my tracks. And I remembered God's message to Mary. Fear not. With me, nothing is impossible. And it was like I was overwhelmed with this peace called the Holy Spirit, peace that passes understanding. And I was able to shake off those doubts and reaffirm my trust in God and feel joy again because I want to be part of a church that walks by faith, not fear at Christmas. Amen? So Colleen and I, so here it is. Colleen and I wrote our check this week. (laughs) This is our check to the Christmas offering, and it's above and beyond what we typically give in our normal tithe or typically give at year's end. And we prayed about it. We discussed it this week. And this is a stretch for us, okay? We have kids too. We feel this. But we did this as an act of obedience because even me, your pastor, needs to be reminded obedience is my responsibility. The outcome is God's. That's just me. I don't know how this will play out for you, but there will come a time when God is going to ask you to trust him. You'll say, I think God wants me to mentor a high school student. But when will I, how will this be? When will I find the time? No, 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 no. You just obey. That's all. That's it. First half is yours. Obedience is your responsibility. Leave the outcome with God. Maybe your spouse feels drawn to the idea of fostering or adopting a child. And you're like, whoa, 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 dude, I thought we were done, okay? (laughs) We got three kids already. And honestly, if we have another kid, where are we going to get the transportation? How, How will it impact our kids? How will this be? No, no, no. Obedience is your responsibility. The outcome is God's. Maybe you're here and you're like, Tim, you're talking about this, and honestly, I feel like God is calling us to write a big year-end check with an extra zero. I could probably help with that, but I don't know if I can afford it before December 31st. No. Obedience is your responsibility. Outcome, that's in God's hands. And God is asking you this Christmas, will you surrender yourself to him just like a teenage virgin girl did? 2,000 years ago, when an angel of the Lord interrupted Mary with an invitation to a higher calling because heaven's purpose was greater than her plans. And in Mary's mind, she couldn't conceive how it would be possible, but she believed in her heart that with God, all things are possible. And I love this. This is the final verse. I love what Mary says at the end. Her words are so beautiful. Beautiful. Look at this. I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may your word to me be fulfilled. In other words, before she says anything else or gives 
Purchased to fear, she reminds herself who she is and who she is. She's like, I am the Lord's servant. I belong to the King of Kings. He's my Lord, and I'm called to serve him above anything else. And even if I don't understand this, even if I can't figure anything out, even if I think this may cost me in some way, and it's probably going to be harder than I imagine, I am the Lord's servant, and because I can trust him, he is good and loving, I will obey. May your word to me be fulfilled. you know how that translates? May everything you've said, God, come true about my life because I trust you. You are my father in heaven and you gave your only son. And if you want to interrupt my life with something that's inconvenient for me personally, then I surrender to whatever you want because your ways are higher than my ways. God, your purposes are higher than my purposes and your thoughts are greater than anything I could ever dream. Therefore, I will remember I am a servant of the Most High God. So God, may all of your dreams for me come true because ultimately, obedience is my responsibility. Outcome is yours. Father, I pray right now today with every head bowed at these campuses, may the power of the Holy Spirit just come on men and women here at Liquid Church. Would you overshadow them right now, every person under the sound of my voice, Help us, Lord, to be obedient, to do, God, whatever you are asking us to do this Christmas. Father God, you've said that you will release your word and it will not return to you void. God, whatever was said today, Lord, that was from your lips to the hearts of your people, let it penetrate, let it stick, may it never go away. May you wake us up, Lord, to your voice, you still speak. God, whatever is not from your lips, whatever is just... Uh, the, the, the weakness of man that have come out of my lips. Let it fall to the floor and be remembered never again. But Lord, whatever is from you right now, burn it in our hearts and fill your people right now with the Holy Spirit. Overshadow us, God, giving us the supernatural strength and the courage of Christ to obey you. We ask that in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and all God's people said together, amen. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you were inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.